Crest is proud to have De La Salle North Catholic High School as our community partner for this season of the podcast. De La Salle is the most diverse private school in Oregon, offering a college preparatory education exclusively to low-income students, turning no one away because of their inability to pay. Known as a school that works, De La Salle's corporate work-study program has every student work one day a week at Portland-area companies, offsetting 50% of their tuition. The innovative curriculum provides the students with real-world experience, self-confidence, and ownership of their education. When we build stronger, thriving communities, we all benefit. Learn more on how your company can get involved by visiting DeLaSalleNorth.org. The downtowns of the future are going to look completely different, right? And so it's not just bringing vibrancy and people, but it's also bringing people to live because what do you do with these empty office spaces? And so those conversations are happening now with the federal tax credit and educating Senator Wyden on on that federal tax credit. And maybe it'll get some momentum, maybe not. But I think it's important to start looking at downtown differently. Welcome to Think Beyond Space, the PDX Workplace Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Blake St. Ange, principal for the Portland office of Cressa, a global corporate real estate firm. From the people, the culture, and their thoughts on the future of work, we sit down with leaders from Portland's most respected companies to learn about what makes their workplaces tick. Subscribe at cressa.com slash Portland or wherever you find your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I am really excited to have uh, Monique Claiborne with me here today. She is the president and CEO of Greater Portland, Inc., our public and private partnership here in Portland. Monique, welcome to the show. Thank you, Blake. Monique, there's so much going on in Portland, so much going on with Greater Portland, Inc., what you guys are doing from a recruitment perspective and, and retention perspective of companies in Oregon. But before we get to all that, sort of, there's the people behind it. So let's talk about you. Who is Monique? Where'd you come from? How'd you become the president and CEO of GPI? And we'll start the journey there. Well, thank you for having me today. It's my first podcast. Yes. We're excited. (laughs) So, okay. So I've been in Portland for four and a half years. Everyone thinks I just moved here when I accepted this job and I did not. So native Detroiter. Okay. And mother was in commercial banking and wanted to be like mom. She was like my hero as a kid. And so- the goal was to be like her times 10. And I told her that. <laughs> and so I decided to go investment banking. So I did investment banking, or graduated from the University of Michigan Business School, ended up going to New York, Wall Street banking, got burnt out. Oh, wow. I know. Then there was a recession. And so I said, I'm out of here, going to London, and master's in international public policy, worked at the Clinton Foundation, and thought I was going to go work at the World Bank. And the recession was still here, right? Oh, Not yeah. going anywhere. Yeah. Ended up back in Detroit doing foreign direct investment. And that's how I found a career in economic development because it was, how can I just bring foreign companies to the Detroit area who at the time had an auto bailout and was going through the largest municipal bankruptcy in the country. And so that's how I found myself in economic development, doing this work in Detroit. Fast forward, met a guy who had known for a while, neighborhood friend, yeah, and he moved to Portland. And that's how I ended up in Portland four and a half years ago. So did your life, did your, did you guys have, that, oh, that's an interesting story yeah, itself. So you, so you left to go to school and, and then New York and then to London. And then all of a sudden you came back to Detroit and like re-met each other? So he was living in China. And oh, so when I decided to go to London, I was talking to my parents. I was like, I, well, when I decided I want to go overseas, it's where do I go? And yeah. they said, well, you should contact Silas from down the street. He's in China. So I ended up Skyping because that's what you did back uh-huh. then. And he said, do you speak any languages? And I was like, no. And he was like, well, you can only go to London. 
And so that's how I ended up in London. And then subsequently he moved back to Michigan as well. And then... Yeah, and then he moved to Portland. Yeah, and the rest is history. Wow. Okay, so uh, University of Michigan. Yep. So did you study finance and economics? What was the... Yep, I studied business and finance. And at the time, Michigan was just a feeder for investment banks. Yeah. And if you did finance in Michigan, you end up going to be an investment banker. And so because you wanted to tell your mom you're going to do it times 10, you said, I'm going to UM and then I'm going to New York. Yep, and I'm out. And I'm out. (laughs) So how long were you in New York? I was in New York for three years. So I did the analyst program. Um, so it's usually two to three years. And yeah. then had an opportunity to be an associate and then decided to go to London. But then it was also the market crash, right? So, I so was this doing, was right at like, oh, like oh, nine. Uh, yep. And so I was doing derivatives on municipal bonds. And so oh my I mean, it, the derivatives, yeah, it, that's it, what got people into yeah, trouble, right? Yeah. In those type of financing structure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So you were there for three and a half years. The market crashes mm-hmm. and then you decide to go to london for what like what what drew you to what you just wanted to go overseas like what what was the driver and did you go to school when you were over in london to get your your right so i had to get out of so i think that people decide you go back to school right? yeah so at yeah. that time you had a lot of people going back to get their masters because yeah. you didn't they, you was it lehman brothers closed yeah, down they, right yeah. so you don't have places to work. Yeah. Everyone's downsizing from an investment banking standpoint. Yeah. Right. So God, had, what a time. Right. That must have been crazy. Yeah. And so I'm sure you have friends and you're like, yeah, what, you know, they end up moving back home with mom and dad. Yeah, too, yeah. Right. Like that was an option. And so that was an option for me. And I thought I already have a business degree. I've done finance and I wanted to do something else. Right. And yeah. so it was also, so I was, again, I was working on municipal bonds and I thought, how can I take it up another level? So can I do this for countries. Yeah. And so that's really merchant banking where you're doing these type of deals and transactions for developing countries. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I need an international or maybe a policy complement to yeah. the finance side. And so I ended up in London and then also I didn't have to take any type of uh was it standardized test uh, um you know like yeah. the GMAT or whatever because it was also last minute. It was kind of like <laughs> where am I going? Need to get out of here. I have to decide if I'm going to go into the associate program. There's this yeah. crash. There's instability. So I haven't started preparing, you know, for grad school. And so London, again, not speaking any foreign languages, yeah. not yeah. having to take any tests, already having good grades, really good experience. Yeah. It became somewhat easy at the time. But looking back, Damn, on it, yeah, it's very like, stressful. Oh, I can imagine. So yeah. how long were you in London? I was in London for three years. So did my master's program, ended up working at the Clinton Foundation when I was there. And we were doing retrofitting outdoor street lights to lower greenhouse gas emissions and wow. structuring those projects during a global recession where municipalities didn't have a budget. Yeah. Right. So we yeah, were doing course. a lot of yeah. like creative financing, off balance sheet financing yeah. uh, for those type of deals. Jeez. You got a brain. It's kind of cool. I mean, wow. Okay, so so you, you're in London for three and a half years, then you come back to Detroit. Yep. What drove you back to Detroit? Um, you were just done with London? Pretty much. Yeah. I'm trying to think. There was nothing in particular. It was just time. It was just time. It was just time. Yeah, yeah. Traveled, went everywhere while I was there, yeah. you know. Oh. So. Wow. So, so, so you come back yep. to Detroit, and then what were you, did you have something like in, in between? Like, what did you do when you came back to Detroit? So I think. So it's a little hazy. So, so you had the um, the recession, and then the auto bailout came right yeah, afterwards, yeah. right? And so Detroit's 
competitive industries, auto, you know, auto, yeah. auto manufacturing. Yeah. And so I just saw a need and an opportunity. I saw an opportunity yeah. that how can I take everything that I've learned and bring back foreign direct investment to Detroit? And at the time, there was a new mayoral election. And so there was a lot of excitement, buzz, anticipation for the future yeah. in Detroit as well. And so it was it was a good time to get in. And they wanted like new, new talent as well. Yeah. And so it was just really the merging of me and the time and this opportunity for yeah. me to do economic development in Detroit presented. So that's where so that's where you sort of your you started your economic development that's, sort of background or, or experience was started in Detroit and right. helping to rebuild right. what was going on there. Right. My brother was an attorney in Detroit oh, wow. for a while. He he worked for a federal judge after he graduated from law school. Yeah, yeah he worked right downtown. And, um, and then he went to work up in um, Traverse City for for a little bit. But anyway, so Detroit, I, I went to visit him in Detroit a few mm-hmm. times. And and I think it was around that time, too. So, I mean, that was a transformative time for, Very much for so. the city. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, so you were there for a period of time. And then your significant other moved out to Portland. So you said, I'm out of here, too. And I'm, I'm going to here. Portland. Yeah, go to Did Portland. Did you know anything about Portland? I knew about Portlandia. Yeah. <laughs> Did so, he watch any of the episodes? I mean, it was, I ha- yeah. And I remember. God, he, isn't it about spot on when you get out of here? It really is. <laughs> I forget. What's the main guy, his name um, with the dark hair? Damn, what's his name? Yes. Yes, yes Fred Armisen. Yes. We were walking down the street and we saw him. Are you serious? Yeah. And we're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. He goes, yeah, it's me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, he. I didn't know he lived here, right? Yeah. So when was the, what year was that? That was. So we moved in 2017. Okay. You moved out here. Okay. And then, so what, so the last four and a half years, five years, Portland was home base for what? Cause you've been in this role. You've been in the, the GPI CEO president role for about a year, a little right. over a year. So what were you doing? What was the. So I was consulting. So. Okay. I, so when I left Detroit, I was actually working at the city of Detroit at the time, and I was the legislative operations CFO. And so I oversaw the budget for all the legislative bodies. So the courts, city council, city oh clerk. Oh, gosh. And I was, <laughs> I was pretty good at my job. And yeah. so I went to them and said, I'm leaving to go to Portland, but I can still do some consulting projects for you. And they said, game on. Uh-huh. And so... I started consulting. So I've been consulting the last four years before I took on the role. And I was flying back to Detroit frequently, yeah. but then was able to pick up other clients and start doing tax exempt consulting work. And so again, back in New York, I did bonds for tax exempt entities. Yeah. So I had already that background with municipal, nonprofits, higher ed, and even um, healthcare institutions that are tax exempt. And so just started a consulting practice, doing that type of work over the last couple of years. And then when the position at GPI opened, yeah. I had a number of people saying, like, you got to go for it. Yeah. And so I'm here today. So you did. Yeah. So was that, what was that, what was the process like? I mean, to, to go through all the interviews and that, like, what, I mean, it sounds like you're, the, the background, it's like you're a perfect fit for the role, right? I mean, right. all your experience, especially in, in, I mean, in cities like Detroit too, right? Like there's just, you know, Portland has our own challenges that are, we've been, you know, having the last couple of years. And so what's it been like for the last year? I think there's some similarities in just here's a big city that's having challenges, right? And the media is not making it any easier. Yeah. And so there are those parallels with Detroit and just the narrative of Portland has lost its own narrative, right? Everyone's speaking up for Portland instead of Portland's having a say as yeah. to what reputation 
um, they want to put out there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I think there are a lot of similarities there with Detroit. I mean, now we're the, you know, we're the kid in dodgeball that no one wants to pick and right. And so yeah. from an economic that's development a standpoint, <laughs> that's um, a good, we, that's a good, yeah, metaphor. You, in Detroit, like how do you recruit a company to come to Detroit during auto bailout when people right. think houses are going for a dollar, you're going to get robbed walking down the street. Yeah. And so, to parallel that to Portland, how do you recruit companies to Portland where they think there are demonstrations on every block and there are homeless people on um, every other block, yeah. right? And so, yeah. I mean, different issues, different challenges, right. um, different cultures, similar in terms of the impact that it has on economic development. So the things that you guys do at GPI, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the recruiting, like, you know, out of town companies to, to, to come obviously to the, to the Metro, not just Portland, but to the Metro. And then also, you know, retention. What is that? What, I mean, I'm in the real estate business, so it's, yeah. we've sort of seen some, you know, some of the challenges too. So like, what, what's, what's been the, the feedback in the last 18 months or, or a year since you've been here? Like what's, you know, cause we're, we're competing. Our city is competing with a lot of the West coast cities and even, you know, like Denver's and Salt Lakes and the Boise's and the others. And then obviously you've got sister cities of, of, you know, Seattle and the Bay and that's Oakland and everything else. So like, what's been some of the feedback that you guys have received from companies that are sort of at least biting out on the edges of coming to Portland? Um, and some of the things that we can continue to do better. Right. So it's a mixed bag. Yeah. Right. And so for those where it's a, it's a hard no, great. It's a hard no. Yeah. Right. But even those that are hard, yes, again, having an investment banking background, nothing or even you in a real estate, if someone's yeah. like, yes, sold. Yeah. It's like, okay, is this too good to be true? Right. right? And so right. we really kind of like that, that in the middle. But it's about not casting your net too wide, mm-hmm. knowing what are our locational advantages, what the acute need is that we're solving, going after those type of companies. Again, we're not going to go after an auto company. We're not going to go after even maybe hard manufacturing, right? So it's knowing what our competitive advantages are. Yeah. And working that, yeah, working that from that angle, yeah. And it seems like we've, we're starting to get one of the industries. Biotech seems to be an industry that's like really knocking on the door with the twist project that went on in Wilsonville, Absize expansion up, you know, up in Vancouver. I mean, it seems like there's that industry as a whole, not just in Portland, but as a whole across the country, has just has ex- really exploded in the last eighteen yeah, months. Yeah. So um, it's one of our emerging clusters, but I find with an emerging cluster, you kind of need a, you have to strike also why the iron's hot, yeah. but then you have to come at it at every every vantage point. Yeah. So we have to have our higher eds on board. We have to have the government on board. We have to right. have our municipalities on board, our private sector, our associations. And I think when you get that momentum, that's how you can move an emerging cluster to yeah. a competitive cluster. And I don't know yet if Portland's on board. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of constituents to bring together to say, okay, are we going to write this path in that way? Are like we all going to row together to to get there? But I think there's a huge opportunity. Yeah, and COVID has revealed that, right? All the money that's coming out, right, from the NHS and all the health organizations. There's been a huge investment within health, within bioscience um, that we hadn't seen in years prior, and I think this is really a good perfect storm if we want to. Take it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We just gotta grab it and we go, really do. You know, and yeah. that's 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 something that that you know we're seeing too. I mean, a lot of the stuff too, like from an office worker perspective, 
you know, COVID and the hybrid and remote work has been, that's been a, a good thing in many cases, but a challenging thing too, just in terms of like revitalization. We'll see what happens when masks come off, right. in a, you know, in a few days, thank God. But, you know, just, just revitalizing, you know, downtown, getting that, you know, getting that buzz back. You know, right. I think that's just a big thing that we sort of, we just, we just need to help create that energy and that momentum that you're talking about. Yeah. I think it's even a lot more than buzz, right? So because of my work in Detroit, uh, I had someone reach out and they wanted an introduction to Senator Wyden's because he's on the finance committee. Yeah. Some along those like finance, yeah. whatever committee, and they oversee tax credits. And the idea was, what do you do with all the obsolete? So federal tax credits. Yeah. What do you do with all the obsolete office space downtown? Can you, can we lobby for a federal tax credit that can convert office space to housing? Right. So it's more than just getting a buzz because yeah, what we yeah. know now is downtowns are going to be different yeah. going forward. Right. Like Biden just came out with a message or he just announced last week we need to get people back downtown yeah. and people need to start working. And then you have all these people like, wait, hold up. I like <laughs> I work. I like working hybrid, yeah. working remote. You yeah, know, um, yeah. I like working, you know, across the country and my team is here and that's OK. And that's work. Like, why do I have to go back downtown right. just because we've had all this investment in infrastructure over decades and centuries in downtown. Right? Yeah. The downtowns of the future are going to look completely different, right? Yeah. And so yeah. it's not just bringing vibrancy and people, but it's also bringing people to live because what do you do with these empty office spaces? Yeah, yeah. It's and so be. those conversations are happening now um, with the federal tax credit and educating Senator Wyden on, on that federal tax credit. And maybe it'll get some momentum, maybe not, but I think it's important to start looking at downtown differently. Yeah, just to putting a little bit of a creativity hat on too. You like, have okay, to. What, what are, yeah, I mean, we've had to do that a little bit, obviously, when COVID hit. And so now it's like, all of a sudden, we can't just stop our creativity. It's and like, it's not going to go back to full occupancy. Yeah. Um, or those same, those existing businesses, yeah. right? If you can get to full occupancy with additional businesses, right? Because right, they're going right. to have like lower square footage in the space that they're occupying. But, yeah. you know, getting people to work downtown, if yeah. we're relying on that, I think we're going to be waiting a long time. Yeah. And we may even be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think yeah. that's accurate. So some of the things from a leadership perspective that, that you've learned in your, you know, career, right. I mean, there's, there's probably a, a ton just thinking about like just that, that ribbon of your career journey, you know, from New York to London and back and now Portland, like what are some of the, what are some of the things that, you, that, that you've learned as a leader? And I think now, and now as sort of running the, uh, arguably the, the biggest, you know, economic development group in all of Oregon, really, what are some of the things that, that you've learned about yourself um, and about leadership? I think resiliency, yeah. right? The pandemic has shown that for so many people, right? But some people still made money during the pandemic, right? Yeah. And so a lot of companies too. A lot I mean, of companies. Yeah. Yep. It's been a, a growth. A lot of millionaires were created over yeah. the last two years, right? Yeah. And so it's um, being cognizant of that, but just knowing mental health, physical health, right? Like we've yeah. heard these buzzwords before, but even just personally, like my son started having seizures last last summer, right? Mm -hmm. And so how old is he? He was six months at the time, wow. and so to be in a space where um, health challenges yeah. are primary, right, to work, right? And so in being a leader and understanding pandemic hit people differently, right? Yeah, totally. um, some it was for families, was different than those that are living that, that are single, right? And so everyone had these different yeah. type of challenges. Yeah. And so it's just being cognizant of that, being understanding of that, I think is incredibly important as a leader during the pandemic, but then making sure um, 
that even post pandemic, right, that we are respectful and put provisions in place for staff, right? So there's there's a floor, right? And you're yeah. not going to just fall through it. Yeah. And um, at least those type of assurances, I think, go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about, we, we, right before we walked in here, we're talking about we're constantly on. We're constantly on, I, at least for me, constantly on devices, like just trying to figure out, like, you know, we've had to be, at least in our business, you know, we've had to be on from the very beginning of COVID, like what's the return to like, that wasn't the return, like what do we do, right? And then and then after a few few weeks, it was, okay, well, we're going to return to office. And okay, well, that was a, you know, pump fake. Okay, now we're going to return to office, no, pump fake, right? And so like, we're always having to consume so much content and it gets overwhelming and it gets, you get burned out and all these other things. So the mental health side of what I think, uh, hopefully COVID has, has illuminated, like, hey, we're, we're all human too. Like, yeah, we got to work, we got, work to get done and we yeah. have leadership to go and do and like lead people. But like people get burned out too. They're like, people, there's a, there's the, the, the mental health and well-being of, of your staff and yourself. Right. Like you can only be a good leader if you, ha- if you allow yourself to have some time to decompress a little bit. Yeah. And so I implemented mental health days. Right. And so we have, I mean, we have a really good vacation benefits package yeah. already at GPI. But I thought yeah. like it's important to at least acknowledge that, right? Like yeah. I understand. And, and some staff have shared things with me, right? Yeah. yeah. And so it's being as understanding, you know, as possible um, with staff. I think I've done a decent job of that. <laughs> I'm always on. I am always on. I really am. I am one of those type. And I think it's just because my investment banking days. Oh, where, geez, yeah. Talk um, about being on. Well, so it's like a good, it was a good foundation. Yeah. But um, I don't require that out of people right yeah. like you can be off and then when you're on you're on you're on. yeah <laughs> yeah i'm always I'm yeah always on. but no I, I i understand it's important to have that balance yeah right? so what do you what, what do you do to to decompress podcast <laughs> <laughs> I, I travel you're gonna be I, hosting a podcast soon okay I'll, hopefully maybe one yeah <laughs> but no i i really enjoy traveling so again when i lived in london i was always in a different part of europe in um north africa in the middle east uh, yeah. and, and having moved back a much at a much slower pace, right? But I was traveling during the pandemic, and I'll be honest, I enjoyed the planes being empty and yeah. the airport <laughs> being empty. I really, I really, really, really did. I mean, yeah. I had to pause again when my when my son was uh, a little sick. But yeah, I've been. I was in Montana last week. Um, oh, nice. Was in Hawaii. Was in Mexico. Right, yeah. and so. I think it's important to like just, you know, get out. For and, me, for yeah, me, that's really that's important. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you had a chance in your life mm-hmm. to have uh, a cocktail or a coffee with anyone in history or present, right? Maybe it's some big company. Maybe it's some big leadership group that we want to come into Portland. Who knows? Yeah. Who would that be for you personally? So I'm very, very intrigued by Mackenzie Scott. So that's uh-huh. Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. Yeah. Yep. She is someone who built Amazon from the ground up, right? So for those who don't know the story, the two of them met when I think she interviewed him for work, you know, way back when. Yeah. Um, Subsequently, they both quit their jobs, moved to Seattle and started Amazon, a book online company. But she's an author and she's always had a dream to to write. And it was her book or her love for books that drove having a book yeah e-commerce business and so i didn't know that yeah it is and so i mean he obviously started the business and the brains but she was you know she was one of their employees one of the first employees and so 
to look at what Amazon has done for commerce and completely revolutionize e-commerce, right? And to go from books to everything, everything. and to have been there at day one, I think yeah. is incredibly interesting. But then to be the fourth richest woman in the world or third, yeah. and to she's committed to giving away half. Oh yeah, she's. I mean, she's she, giving money everywhere right yeah. now. I'm a, yeah. I'm on an organization now, and we've got a huge investment donation anonymous and i think it's her i have no clue if it is or not and there will be announcement in the future coming yeah, you know yeah, but yeah i'm like she's just giving money to everyone right yeah, now she's giving yeah. money to everyone um and i think that's very ad- admirable yeah right but then also from a business standpoint to be there at amazon at day one, at I day think, one. yeah 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 and and then to marry your kid's science teacher it, yes Yes, so she's remarried to her, her kid science teacher. I think that's incredibly <laughs> fascinating. Right? Imagine the yeah, imagine, richest yeah. woman in the world yeah. is married to a science teacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, you can't stop love. I, let's have cocktails. There you go, Mackenzie. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening, because she's one of your listeners. Yeah, yeah, she is. She she's is. Yeah, she. You know, she's she. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she sends us DMs. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. we'll get her on sometime. Call Monique. Yeah, call. <laughs> <laughs> so. What would be a couple of things from the from the GPI perspective for people that may not be in Portland, but that might be outside of Portland that might be listening? Mackenzie, Scott, you're, you might be one of them. Some important things about Portland that that you'd want them to know as the as the leader of of uh, the economic development group in in town. Like what what is it that, that sort of service announcement about Portland? Right. So I'll say what attracted me to Portland when I first came here: Mount Hood, the Pacific Ocean, wine country. I, like I said, I was skiing a couple of weeks ago in Montana. The fact that I can go an hour, less than an hour and ski here, I think is absolutely amazing to go 30 minutes. Yeah. And then now I'm in wine country drinking Pinot Noir. Um, like I said, I've traveled all around the world and you see Oregon wine on the menu, yeah. right? Yeah. So you can get amazing red wine here. And then to go to Cannon Beach, yeah. even though the water's cold, but it's beautiful, <laughs> right? It's cold. It's, it is. It's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I think that is a huge selling point. It really, really is. Um, when you think about livability and quality of life, Portland is, it's really, I think it's really magical. I really yeah. do. And I think yeah. I will say this, to be a woman of color, that surprises some people, right? Because Portland, as we know, is creatives, this white utopia, right? And so I have found community here, yeah, right? And I think if I can, I like to think that other people could as yeah. well. And I think yeah. that's a huge selling point yeah. for anyone who wants to live here, for future employees of companies that want to expand into Portland, um, that there is real community here. There is a desire, even for sustainability, I think is incredibly I say that word a lot. Incredibly, yeah. one of my favorite words. <laughs> I think that's unique to Portland. Like you yeah. can't get that in Dallas. Yeah. Right. You can't get that in New York. You can't get that in Chicago. I talked about working at the Clinton Foundation years ago, retrofitting outdoor streetlights. That means something to companies here in the greater Portland yeah. area, yeah. right? That there is a sustained way. There is an organic way of of living, of being here. Yeah. Um, I think that's special about Portland, yeah. Greater Portland. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. So um, for those that want to learn more about Greater Portland, Inc. and about where their companies can start to learn more about the Metro and mm-hmm. the things that we offer, where where can they go to find out? So greaterportlandinc.com. We are, so all regions have, or most metropolitan regions have an economic development organization. And so we are that for Greater Portland. And so it's great because 
um, we really are a one-stop shop, right? And so if you have real estate needs, if you have HR needs, if you have project management, if you want help ex- with accessing credits and incentives, yeah. right? We can put in put you in touch with all of those um, different entities. So to be a convener for those type of projects is really uh, makes your job easier for those companies, those executives that are considering um, expansion. And so that's the work that we do. We're completely funded from our public and private sector, and there are businesses that um, have a direct have a direct advantage, right? Or benefit for companies locating, right? Like if you're an accountant or you're a law firm, but then there are those that just want a prosperous economy and jobs and putting money in people's pocket. It's the most tangible way to do so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what about you? Where can people learn more about you? LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Or contact me directly. Perfect. My information's on the website. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Monique. Thank you so much for joining me. It was so fast. Yeah, was it fast? Did yeah, it seem it fast? Flew by. It flew by. Did, right? And we and were. And you're here, easy I mean, to talk to. Well, you know that's 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 why these are fun. Yeah. You know, you get to learn so much about people. Like the that, that's what I was saying about the history about where like you're in London, you're in New York, you're like that to me. And then the fact that you got back together with your like your your sitting together at that time friend, and fun yeah. and go. Yeah. I mean, those are the things that that to me I think help tell a story about where people. You know, it's not just where they are today, but like what brought them to where they are, you yeah. know? And, you know, it's just fun to, uh, a great opportunity to sit with you and and listen, right? And ask the questions and then just sort of learn uh, uh, your career journey. So I just appreciate you joining me on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Think Beyond Space, the PDX Workplace Insider Podcast. To follow along and get additional insights from each episode, visit cressa.com slash Portland. Please also take a minute to rate and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.